If you look around the world today, there's a lot of people coming unhinged. There's a lot of believers who realize that they had built upon the sand. And their lives are being shaken to the core. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and you see it. Well, I'll tell you, there is a discipler that I just so appreciate his heart. Uh, he's here today to share with us just some thoughts and ideas. But more importantly, he wants to challenge us to really stand up and begin to take note of who you're following. In this moment, who are you following? You know, another thing is, as Jesus says in John 4.35, and I alluded to this last week, Jesus said, you guys have a saying, I'm going to paraphrase, but you guys have a saying that in four months the harvest will be ripe, the harvest will be ready, and he's going, look up, look around, they're already here, they're standing out there in the field, what are you doing staring at your toes or your navel? He, he, he didn't say that, but... What are you doing looking down when you should be looking out and up? Guys, we need to stop blaming everything around us. The greatest threat right now to the future is us not doing what God has called us to do. What are you doing with what God has given you? So with that, Kenneth Holder, Ignite the Fires ministry all the way from the great state of Texas. Amen. Which, which is slightly under Oregon. Oh, can I say it's, that? Just, it's right around the corner. <laughs> do, I, do I have a there mic? There you go, brother. Can you guys hear me? You got it. Testing one, two. I want, I want some leaders to come up here. We have a tradition where we lay hands on you. Praise God. Amen. Not suddenly, but slowly. No, that's good. We Amen. Pray for you. So Whatever. I need some leaders up Whatever here. Whatever you want. You know who you are. Come on. Come on. I'll receive it. Praise God. <laughs> suddenly and repeatedly. Yes. <laughs> huh? Yes. Oh. Stand forward. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You just yes. tell me where to be. There you go. There you go. About four inches for farther forward. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Wow. Bob, I'm going to give you the honor. Thank you, God. We just thank you for this servant, Lord. And we just bless him today. Open our ears, open our hearts to everything that you have for us through this servant, Lord. Yes, God. Amen. 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 Nice and sweet. Amen. Praise God. Well, I am uh, honored to be with you today. Praise God. Uh, I know I know a lot of you have seen before. You've been in class. Uh, I did a few classes up here years ago. Amen. Uh, and thank God I got invited back. Praise God. That's a good thing. So um, I am. Um, I do a lot for the kingdom. Amen. And it's not because I feel God is, is, is just pressing me in the dirt to do it. It's because I love Father, and I have a relationship with Christ, and there's nothing in this world that's greater than that. And that includes family, wealth, anything. Nothing trumps our relationship with God. Amen? And so I do a lot of things. And one of the, one of the main objectives of my life is to wake the body up to wake the church up. And I don't do that lightly, by the way. Some people don't like the delivery. But it simply doesn't matter. Because I've been called with a purpose, I've been called with a word, and it's to get you out of the pews and get you into the field of battle. Because we have to understand this faith system that we have 
is a fight. And there's people outside this building that need what's inside this building, and that's you. And that is the presence of God that you carry into the dark world. Amen? The time for playing church is over. If you don't understand this, we are in the most biblically prophetic time of any generation before us since Jesus stepped on this earth. So be it. But I don't think we truly understand what's coming. You see, we say, come, Jesus, come, come today. Do you have any idea what that means? That means hell on earth will be unleashed. Most of your family, most of your friends will disappear into the oblivion. Are we ready to see our Messiah? <laughs> Big question. You're like, who invited this dude, right? But it's true. If you read the Scripture and you're a student of the Scripture, you have to understand that. Amen? And we have to be ready to stand at judgment with our King. Amen? So before I dive uh, too deep uh, into this, praise and worship team, uh, you guys did a great job, and I just got a golden nugget for you. Can I throw it out to you? Amen? I know there's more than just three of you. Where's the rest of them? Got one right there. Okay, amen. So you're kind of spread out. Praise God. So, have you ever heard of a death knell? I know it's kind of a weird, amen? When someone dies, they do what? Bing, they ring the bell. In the time of David, right, when, the, when they would go out to war, they would call forth a death knell selah. Selah is like forever, like permanent, like multiple explanation points. And what they would do is the praise and worship team would claim the victory before the fight even began. I want you to think about that. Because if it's a praise and worship team and the hustle and the bustle, right? You got to get up, make sure your instruments are tuned, your voices are all good, everyone's syncing, right? Whatever the technical terms there are. But I want you to always remember that you are fighting a war and claiming the victory of that war for every person in this room when you step up on that stage. So that's just for you guys. You guys did a fantastic job, by the way. Praise God. Amen. Spirit's moving. Praise God. So you guys want to talk about Israel for a minute? We talk about some prophetic things that are happening. How many of you have, have heard about the red heifers? Show hands. Well, quite a few. Praise God. Most churches, no one raised their hand. I'm like, mercy, where you guys been? So here's, your, here's an update on Israel. Obviously, we all know Israel's at war. Is this the war to end all wars? Who knows? I'm not going to tell you it is because I don't know. But I can tell you it sure looks like it. Just saying. But the red heifers... So those of you that don't know, you're going to get, you're going to get a little fire hose here, amen? I'm going, to, I'm going to hit it with you. Last September, from the great state of Texas, praise God, five red heifers were shipped over to Israel. Perfect, without blemish, little ones. The rabbis came to Texas, they inspected the heifers, and I'm getting somewhere with this, by the way, so just hang tight. They inspected them. Everything was good. So they loaded them on a plane and shipped them over to Israel, free of charge. The rancher said, take them. 
So they got there and they went through, they are currently going through a purification process. Three have been eliminated. There's two left. There's two of them left. Now what's been happening in Israel and why this is important is because the Temple Institute of Israel has been preparing all the furnishings for the third temple to be built. They have the blueprints done. They have the menorah. They have the table of showbread. They have the altar of incense. Uh, they have, they have the, what's it, the, I already said the menorah. Then they, I don't know about the ark, obviously, right? Pretty sure that's going to pop out sooner or later. But they have all these things ready, even the breastplate for the priest. Cost them like six and a half million dollars to recreate the breastplate. The tunics, they've gathered together the Levitical choir. They started doing rehearsals. And just last month, they did a rehearsal of the cleansing uh, procedure, if you will, of the people once they have the ashes of the red heifer. Just one. That's all it takes. How many of you know about four or five years ago, the bronze altar, they recreated it, brought it out into the streets of, of, of Jerusalem, walked a perfectly unblemished lamb to the top of it and slit its throat and smeared the blood all over the altar. Do you know that happened? It's on YouTube. Look it up. You'll, seriously, you'll see it. And you got you to start processing, why is that important? We have Messiah. We have Jesus. It's important because when all that gets done and that third temple gets built, that is when the beginning of the messianic age will come. That's when Messiah will come back and put his foot on the Mount of Olives. The sucker's going to split and he's going to walk into Jerusalem like a conquering king. How many of you know what gate he's going to walk through? East. What is directly in front of the east gate right now? Graveyard. Why is that graveyard there? Because a rabbi can't cross it. But guess what, baby? Dead are going to rise. There ain't going to be no dead bodies in that graveyard. That's why they built the wall right there, right in that gate. But all this, all this buildup, the only key that's missing in Judaism, the only key that's missing in this whole puzzle is the ashes of a red heifer. He's about two months away from being of the right age before they sacrifice that thing. Look, people, if you don't have a solid relationship with your Messiah, you are almost behind the power curve. Because our king is coming, and he's coming with a vengeance. Oh, you're like, well, what do you mean vengeance? He, he loves us. Of course he loves you. But he's coming with a million-man angelic army behind him. Read the book. Why would our loving king have a million-man angelic army behind him? Because he's a king, and he's coming to claim his church, and Father's going to deal with everyone else. This is why it's important that we stop playing church that we make it real in our lives. That we live this faith system out, not just in this building, but out on those streets. I know a lot of you are like, man, I'm going home. Forget this, right? Amen. Amen. We got to hear it. We got to hear it.
Because this, this, this timeline that we're on, prophetic timeline that we're on right now, is ticking away every day. That clock's ticking. Every day. Okay? So, I know that was a lot to start with. Praise God. That's my intro. Amen. All right, so I've got some slides up here for you. What we're going to be talking about is we're going to talk about the parables of the three servants, which is uh, also known as the parable of the talents, right? It's a very powerful parable, and I know Doug is, is taking you through, what was it, one parable or a couple of the parables. If you have not studied all the parables, you should make that a priority. And why would I say that? Because Jesus spoke in parables about the complexity of the kingdom of God, and it is crucial that you understand those things. It's crucial for our, for our relationship with Christ that we truly understand the inner workings of the kingdom of God. Okay? So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. This, it's actually, this parable is also told in Luke in chapter 19. It's, it's told a little bit differently, but it has the same exact meaning to it, obviously. But we are going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 25. Now, if you don't know this, some of you may not, uh, I do read out of the Tree of Life version, okay, of the, of the Scripture. How many of you have a Tree of Life? Anyone in the room? Praise, uh, Tina, you, you guys don't count. Praise God. Amen. So, the tree of life, the reason I read out of that is because it, it sticks to the, the closest that I've found anyways, outside the complete Jewish Bible, to the Hebraic roots of our faith. Okay, so that's why I have the slides for you, but I encourage you to look at your own scripture, uh, your own Bible, uh, highlight, do whatever you want, take notes, praise God. But we're going to review this out of Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. Let's see if my clicker works here. Are we good? No? Who's my slide person up there? Anyone up there? Try it again. Is that what I heard? Point at you? How about I laser you? Can I do that? You, wanna, you might want to unplug that USB thing. There you go. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, so we're going to take this uh, line by line. So Matthew chapter 25, starting 14, everyone there? If you have your little handy-dandy Bible app on your phone, you can actually set it to the TLV, so you can read along word for word, but again, it's up on the screen. Matthew chapter 25, starting 14, says, For it is like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and handed over his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one according to his own ability. you got to pay attention to these words here, okay? He gave each one according to his what? Own ability, okay? Very important that you remember that part, okay? It says, then he went on his journey. So let's establish who is who, okay? The reference in the opening line of a man is who? That's Jesus, did you want to pray or no? Oh, just keep going. Amen. Aha. Amen. That's what it was. Praise God. We forgive you, by the way. Amen. All right. 
So we have to understand that that's Jesus, right? Jesus just gave his servants a possession, if you will, gave each, each one of them, all three of them, gave them the possession, and then he did what? He went on a journey. Okay, let's look at John 14, 2 through 4. Let me give him a chance to, did you get it? There it is, praise God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to confirm the fact that this is speaking of Jesus. So he, is, he went to prepare a place for you and I on his journey. John 14, 2. John chapter 14, starting verse 2, said, In my Father's house there were many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you... I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be, and you know the, the way to where I am going. So we, ha- we have to put those two together and understand that in that parable, Jesus is referring to himself. Okay, He is the master. He went on a journey to prepare a place for you and I. Praise God. The servants in that parable, let's look at John Chapter 12, verse 26, the servants are you and I, okay? Out of all the titles that we carry in our life, the number one title is servant of the king, right? I got all kinds of fancy little things in in my name and all that stuff, but the most important one is servant, servant of the most high. says, if any man serves me, he must do what? follow me. Do you understand that there's a building block going on here and there's a hook to the scripture? It says, if any man serves me as a servant, you must do what? Follow. You got to catch that, right? It's one thing to say, oh, I'm a believer in Christ. It's a whole nother story to walk in the man's footsteps. Understand? It's a big difference. There's like a chasm between those two, by the way. It says, and where I am, there also will my servant be. We got to move. We got to move. We got to constantly be going where? Where the master is. Remember when Peter was in the boat, right? Did Jesus go into the boat to meet Peter? Or did he require Peter to get out of the boat to meet him on the water? Just, just chew on that. That was a massive golden nugget right there for you. Just chew on that and ponder that for a little bit. Okay? If anyone serves me, the Father will do what? Honor him. Do you see how he gave you that beautiful hook right there? That's a promise. If you follow me, if you serve me, my Father will honor you. How many of you want the Father to honor you? Amen. Praise God. If you didn't raise your hand, well, we'll pray for you. Praise God. That should be our desire, seriously, as believers. Do you know that you gain possessions when you go to heaven? How many of you read uh, the book of Revelation? There's gifts that are given to you. See, earthly prosperity will fade away, and it is nothing. It's nothing. You can't, I work hospice, okay? When you die, your family is going to fight for everything you worked your whole life for, and chances are they're going to sell it off, and it's not going to mean anything. 
That's cold, but it's the truth. You, you have to understand that our gifts, what we do in this world, equals what we get when we get into the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know about you, but I could care less about my here. I want it all when I walk into the kingdom. I want to hear my father say at the time of judgment, good job, good and faithful servant. Come and dine with me. Not the opposite, by the way. Get away from me. I never knew you. But, 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 I prophesied in the street. I cast out the demons, Lord. And he says, get away from me. I don't want to hear that. You know that, that's, that is written, yes? Amen. We won't go into that, praise God. Amen. So the gift that the master left is what? Holy Spirit. I have a lot of people that tell me, say, oh, I want, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to operate in all the gifts. And my response to him is, for what? What are you going to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit? You're the last one in the church. You barely show up. You never come forward to pray for people, but yet you want all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't make sense, does it? He gave us a gift. Not only was it, the, was it the Holy Spirit, but he gave us what? The Word. He gave us insight into Father in heaven. He gave us those things for us to do what? Do something with it. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. It says, now while staying with him, he... You notice the H is is capitalized. That's Jesus. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father promised. This is what? The gift. He says, which he said, you heard from me, verse 5, for John immersed with water, but you will be immersed in the Ruach HaKodesh, which is the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So he gave them a promise that he was going to do what? Give them something, a possession. I'm going to give you the counselor. I'm going to endow you with power for you to use. It's like walking into your house and keeping the lights shut off. Makes no sense of having electricity. You got all the power you could want, but you don't use it. Amen? Fumbling around in the dark. You know, we, we, we giggle and laugh about that, but I'm telling you, man, the, the, the thermometer of the church right now, man, we're like stone cold. That sucker ain't even budging. We need to change it, right? We need to change it. All right, let's jump back into the parable. We're going to be back in Matthew 25. We're going to go back to verse 16. I believe that's where we left off. Amen? Matthew 25, starting verse 16, going back into the parable. It says, Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded them and gained five more. So what did he do? He took and he invested. If I invest 99 cents into the stock market, which is probably all I can do, praise God, 
and I got back one dollar, I made an interest. I made, I gained. It was only a penny, but gaining a penny is better than losing one, praise God. That's what this man did. He went out and he reinvested what God had invested in him. He took it and he multiplied it. It was a ministry of multiplication, amen? Verse 17, in the same way, the one with two gained two more. Wasn't as much as the first one, but he still did what? Gained. But the one who received one went off. Okay, people, this is us. You're like, I rebuke that, right? That's not me. <laughs> Amen, I'll receive that, praise God. But this is us. It says, the one who received one went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. I want all the gifts. I never use them. That's digging a hole and burying it. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's nine of them. There's a lot of, of avenues there, right? It's not just prophetic ministry. It's not, it, it's not just that. It's not just speaking in tongues. There's a lot of different things. He's going to give it to you based off what? Your ability. Maybe even the gift of the Holy Spirit fires you up so much that you want to go teach others. What are you doing? You're reinvesting. Maybe it fires you so up you want to, you want to go launch a ministry or a church. What did you do? You reinvested. But every person in this room has the ability and the talent to do something for the kingdom of God. Every person, not just a pastor, Praise and worship team, ministry team, prayer team, not just them, every person, including and most importantly, the young ones in the room. I know you guys are, those guys are looking at me like, well, me too, yeah, me too, yeah, amen, praise God. You just have to understand your value, young ones and old ones. You have to understand the value and how much God truly wants you to get on the field. He wants you to fight in Jesus' name. Not physically, praise God, Lord have mercy. I'm going to go to school like, hey, the pastor told me I could beat him up. <laughs> if you're getting bullied, praise God, throw a punch. No, I'm, no. <laughs> praise God. Pray for him. Amen. Amen, amen. I know. You're like, oh, my gosh, take this guy out back. And I, I was just joking. Lord have mercy. Do it behind the church. No, Okay. So remember, there's a little mathematical equation I like to throw out there every once in a while. Faith plus action equals righteousness. Did you catch that? Faith plus action equals righteousness. Look at the life of Abraham. He was counted righteous because he what? Did. He did. He moved. God said move. Yes, Lord. Amen? Faith plus action equals righteousness. We are called to go. We are called to live a life of action, to reinvest. What we do is we come to church and we consume. Some of you will consume this word today and leave this church, and by the time you get to the bottom of the hill, you're going to forget everything I just said. 
because we consume and we become spiritually obese because we fail to reinvest. Let's look at Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 19 says what? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and remember, explanation point, you see, explanation point, remember, this is like Jesus thumping you, boop, right on the forehead, remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is a promise for you. To not be scared or timid on the field of battle. To go out there with boldness. To speak with boldness. To declare a year of victory. And set that captive free in Jesus' name. And remember, He's with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a powerful promise. Powerful. So you have to understand what's being said. Father has placed an expectation on you and I. Oh, that's didn't get one amen out of that. He's placed an expectation on you. Remember, it's not the it's not the works, right? It's none of that. There's an expectation to reinvest. Expectation to be holy, to be just before him. Did you know that? Let's continue back in the parable. So let's go back, Matthew 25, verse 19. I'm going to read through uh, verse 25, okay? Here we go. Bless you. Amen. Praise God. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Okay, you got you to chew on everything that's being said here, okay? Verse 20, the one who had received the five talents came up and brought another five talents saying, Master, you handed me five talents. Look, I've gained five more. Again, he multiplied. Verse 21, his master, just yell at me when I need to flip that. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful with a little So I'll put you in charge of much. Enter into my master's joy. That is what we want to hear. Yes? The one who had received the two talents also came up and said, Master, you handed me two talents. Look, I've gained two more. Where did, I, where did I leave off? Man, I flipped that slide and lost my place. Okay, 23. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Explanation point. You were faithful with a little, so I'll put you in charge of much. Enter into your master's joy. He got the same invite. He didn't do as much. He wasn't leading praise and worship. He wasn't preaching the word of God. He wasn't making disciples all over the place. He just took what he had, reinvested it, and he gets an invite. Come. Based off his ability. You see, not everyone's called to the pulpit. Not everyone's called to the mic. Thank God for that. Amen. Not everyone's called to do the big stuff but you may be called to do the small stuff. 
Like, what about the mission field that you call your family? Oh, that's a, that's a good start. What about the mission field of your neighborhood? Right? And then you can keep growing. County, state, right? If you don't know this by now, your political system is failing across the United States. It is sad. They need Jesus more today than they did yesterday. Praise God. But who's going to go tell them? Praise God. You're first. Amen. Yes. But you're right. That'll be us. Amen. That'll be us. So here we go to the next one. Verse 24. Then the one who had received the one talent also came up and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. Verse 25. So I was afraid. I went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. So before we go on to the judgment side of things, let me just tell you that each one of us will stand before judgment before the king. Did you know that? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all. Pastor, I knew you were going to try to get through the gate, bro, but you got to stand first. Amen. I'm pretty sure you're going to be okay. Praise God. Pretty sure. No, I'm just joking. All appear before the judgment seat of who? Your Messiah. Woo! Oh, but Jesus loves me. Yes, yes. A father disciplines those he loves. Amen? Do you realize how harsh Jesus was when he was rolling, right? In his ministry years, those three years, you realize how rough he was? Boy, he was rude sometimes. He tells Peter, oh man, I'm going to build this rock, babe. On this rock, I'm going to build the church, praise God, in the very next sentence. Get behind me, Satan. What the heck's up with that? Oh, ye have little faith. If only you had the faith of a mustard seed. See, we use that as like a good thing. Faith of a mustard seed, sing the song, whatever. But it was really, he was slapping him in the face with it. If only. He was rough. What about the guy that came to Jesus? And he came up to him, and he says, oh, I'm going to follow you. I'm, of course, I'm ad-libbing it a little bit, you know, paraphrasing it. And he comes out, oh, I'm going to come with you. And, and Jesus, well, come on. And he goes, oh, but let me go bury my dad first. Let me bury my father. And Jesus looks at him and says, let the dead bury the dead. Oh, my gosh. Do you realize what he was saying? He's saying, your whole family spiritually dead, but I chose you. Come home. You, you see, God is more complex than just love. God is a God of love. You better believe it. He's a God of redemption. Praise God. He's a God of restoration. Amen. He's a God of forgiveness. Praise God. But he's a God of judgment, wrath, and war. Who do you think stirred the pot in Israel, by the way? Yeah. 
Satan can't do anything without God's permission. Did you understand in the prophecies in the book of, let's say, I don't know, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, where, he, where God says, I will put a hook in their nose and draw them into the fight. There will be a valley so full of blood it will go up to the horse's neck or whatever that, the, the measurement there is. All the way to the chest. Well, how do you think that got there? Because of war, fighting. Because God's going to bring him in to demonstrate his absolute sovereignty over Israel. You see, our eyes and our ears can't dictate the sovereignty of God. You watch. When all hope is lost, we'll see Messiah come out of them clouds. And you will see it on YouTube. Seriously, think about it. The whole world's going to see it, right? It's going to be fantastic. But what comes first is the chaos. And I know some of you are like, but kids died and women died and are still dying and innocent people are dying. Yeah, I understand. War is terrible. But look at the character of God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at like the book of, let's say, read about Joshua? What did God tell Joshua to do? Kill them all. Women, children, livestock, destroy them. Cleanse the land. And see, our Christian religious minds can't fathom that because we're not taught the sovereignty and power of God. And even still, there's people in here where that's, that's tugging at your heart a little bit. That kind of frustrated you almost. It should. Because you can't just look at one dimension of God. God's going to flex his muscles here in a little bit. You watch. It's going to be fantastic. This is the greatest time to be a believer. Not so much for the non-believer. In the time of Noah, when God said, get on the boat, who closed the door? God closed it. Why? He gave him a chance. Do you know that God always gives us a chance? Always gives us a chance to repent and come back to him. And at some point, that day of mercy will come to a close. And our mind, we, we can't comprehend that. Because what you're hearing from Christian pulpits is a loving God will never destroy millions of people. That is a that is a false statement from the very pits of hell. Because he certainly will and he certainly has. Obviously, we know what happened next of Noah, right? The whole world was destroyed. You know, it's kind of funny how when people have a little baby, right? And they, they decorate their nursery. And it's like Noah's Ark and the little animals are sticking their head out. And they're like, eh, you know, peace out, It was a time of absolute destruction, right? It was a time of, of absolute wipeout, cleaning the slate. But we have that above our little baby's 
cribs. I was just, that was just another little rabbit trail, by the way. Praise God. How many of you been to the Ark Encounter? A couple? You know, they have that whole section that talks about that, right? All the little nursery books and all that stuff. And they're like, are you kidding me? Right? They didn't really say that, but it really kind of said that. Are you kidding me? Right? You got all these little bedtime stories of absolute judgment and death and screaming and just horrificness, right? Sorry, I'll get off that subject. Praise God. All right, so let's talk about the servants real quick before we get into the review. Before, before Messiah reviews each one, let's talk about servant number one. Reinvested, gaining interest. This is symbolic of you and I going out and making disciples for Christ. Look, discipleship has been twisted over the years. Because people want you to be a disciple of them. You need to be Kenneth Holder's disciple. No, no, no. No, no. You don't need to be my disciple because I will fail you at some point. You need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ because he will never fail you nor ever leave you even to the end of time. Yes? Amen. Let's look at number two, servant two. Reinvested what little he had, gained some interest. Even though you may not be called to the pulpit, you can still make a difference. It doesn't matter how old you are, young, whatever, you can still make a difference. You can walk, if you're a young person, you can walk the halls of your school and declare that Jesus is Lord. I would love to see that, by the way. It'd be awesome. It should be. But I know when I was... 15, 16 years old, I was definitely not declaring that. Praise God. And then we got servant three. Had the expectation, was given something, knew the master enough that he got a talent, right? He got a possession and then didn't do anything with it. So let's get to servant three. Okay? That's not a good way to start. But his response, his master, this is Jesus, responded, you wicked, lazy servant, explanation point. That is your Messiah speaking to the servant. You wicked, lazy servant. By the way, that ends with a explanation point. You knew that I reap where I didn't sow and gather where I scattered no seed? Verse 27, then you should have brought my money to the brokers, and when I came, I would have received it back with what? Interest. The expectation is what? To gain interest in what was invested in you. Verse 28, therefore, take the talent away from him. Am I still on the page? Yeah. Take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. So the one who went out and really got the job done, he got even more. Verse 29, for to one who has, more shall be given, and he shall have a what? An abundance. That is a blessing, by the way. He's saying if you just invest a little, just enough. And this, and this is the part 
that we don't like. Verse 30. By the way, all this is in quotations. Okay? It'd be red letter for you red letter Bible. Yeah? Amen. Just want to clarify. It's not Kenneth Holder's words. You're like, dude, you are rude and mean. No, I'm just reading the scripture. Throw, throw the worthless servant out. Did you want me to read that again? Throw the worthless servant out into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, end quotes. Did you know that was in there? Did you know that was written? For it is written, right? Stamped forever. That should freak some of us out a little bit. That is a conviction moment in your heart. For those that feel a spirit of condemnation come over you, you need to rebuke that and cast that away because that's from the enemy. The conviction says you can do better. You can do something because you are worthy of the blood of the lamb. You are worthy of that sacrificial death. You are worthy to go expand the kingdom. We don't have to hear that. But over half of our church will. And how do we know that? Parable of the ten virgins. They were all virgins. They were all dressed in white. They all had lamps. They all trimmed the wicks. But only five kept the oil flowing. Which means what? This line right here. Everyone on the left? Well, sorry. Everyone on the right? Oh, wait, that stage. Oh, you guys are good. Praise God. Woo! Everyone else, sorry. Yeah, you guys were like, yes, we made the cut. We joke about it, right? We can have fun with that. But we have to know the seriousness of it, too. And see, and, and, and some of you think, well, how, how could I do something for the kingdom when I've done this, 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 this? Look, your yesterday does not matter right now. What matters is right here, right now. You have a choice to make this very day. You can say, Lord, I'll take whatever talent you gave me and I will reinvest it somehow, some way, show me. Or you can choose to say, I rebuke everything that big old dude from Texas said and I'm going to live my life the way I want. You choose. Because to be quite honest with you, it's not my choice to make. I know where I'm going to be. I hope, praise God. You know, in the scripture, it says, fear the Lord. Fear God. We should have a righteous fear, right? 
that causes us to want to do better, that causes us to want to pursue a better relationship with Christ, not because he's pressing us into the mud, but because, again, like I said earlier, because we should love God enough to say, I'll do it, Lord. I'll do it. I may mess up. My flesh may fail you, but I know you've given me the ability to repent. I know you love me. I know you care for me. And I know you want more for me. So I'm going to do it, Lord. Will you choose this day to say those words and say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Here I am. Send me. Didn't get too many amens. This is why discipleship is so important. How can we go out and make disciples if we've never been discipled ourselves? What does that even look like? What does true discipleship look like? It looks like gaining wisdom. It looks like educating yourself on the Word of God from cover to cover. From the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. Not to be a Bible scholar, but to understand the character of God. That's what it looks like. It looks like taking all of that and applying it to your life and living it out outside these four walls. Some of you live like hell six days a week, but you get to church and it's a whole different picture. And let's just be honest. I used to do that. Raised my hands in church, praise God, and was knee-deep in pornography for the whole rest of the week. It just is what it is. But you have a choice. You have a choice. And again, how can we go out and fix the world if our church is broken? Let's look at Matthew 7.35. So be your last scripture reference. Everyone's like, praise God, amen. You guys that laughed, but I'm telling you, Lord have mercy. We're going to pray for you, praise God. Matthew 7, starting in verse 3. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the beam in your own eye? Verse 4, how will you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and look, the beam is in your own eye. Verse 5, hypocrite. First, take the beam out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The world needs the church, and we need it right now. You have to move past a salvation message and get into the beef of it and go make a difference. So we can remove all those specks. So we can go out and set that captive free in Jesus' name to go declare a year of favor over the captive, praise God. Well, amen. That was good. Yeah, pretty good. Kind of fired me up there. I almost jumped. Well, Oh, praise God. Uh-oh. So what do we do from here? Huh? Where do we go from here? How many of you read your Bible every day? Just be honest. Because the Holy Spirit will point you out if you're not. Praise God. Okay, so not everybody. That's okay. Today, start. At least one, at least one little section. And the reason we do that is because we baptize our minds with the Word of God. Right? How many of you drive like long distances for work? Anybody? Put that Bible app on your, on your Bluetooth and just listen to at least one chapter. What are you doing? You're just, you're just bringing it into your thought process. We can start there. Very simple. 
We can start applying the Word. Everything that we hear, we begin to apply it to our lives, yes? These are just steps you could take. You can begin to trim the fruit out of your lives right now that you know needs to be gone. How many of you right now know that you need to, you need to do some trimming in your life? Anybody? Thank you for your honesty. Praise God. And I'm, and I'm one of those. I got, there's still stuff, right? Working daily. Construction project, right? We're constantly trimming. Because when you trim the bad fruit, what grows in its place? The good fruit. That's what we want. That's what we want. Jesus operated the exact same way. He lived it. He applied it. He rolled in power. He rolled in power. Amen? Let's pray. So, Father God, we thank you and praise you. We thank you for all things, Lord. We thank you for your Son, Yeshua, Jesus. Father, you sent to this world, was birthed of the Virgin, Father, was crucified, buried, and three days later rose again, is now seated at your right hand in power, Father God. We thank you for the blood that has set us free. We thank you, Father God, for the expectations that you placed upon us, Father. May we move in power, Father God, never to surrender, never to retreat, but always forward, Father God. Teach us and show us how to be victorious on the field of battle, Father God. And for that spirit of condemnation, we bind that spirit in Jesus' name and we cast it out of this place right now. Convict us, Lord. We receive it. Convict us. Change us. Mold us. Refine us so we can be weapons to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.